So today is Pentecost Sunday, the day we celebrate the outbreaking of the Spirit on the disciples who were gathered in the upper room after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. Today, I want to ask the question, so what? We celebrate it, but so what? What does it mean? What does it mean for a group of people who follow Jesus and find themselves the subjects of a government whose leaders care more about lining their own pockets and protecting their own interests than they do about the people they were elected to serve? What does it mean to a group of followers of Jesus when their religious leadership adopts laws that actually compromises the gospel and excludes people and does it all in the name of God because they too are seeking to protect their power and privilege? What does it mean in a nation where violence is the rule of the day? When young children are slaughtered and the government either looks the other way or participates in it by refusing to act. What does it mean when disease runs rampant and healthcare is available to only the wealthy and the few? What does it mean when people break their backs working hard every day and can't make a living wage and then are taxed in a way that puts them at risk while the rich and the powerful pay little or no taxes at all? What does it mean when religious festivals and conferences gather and pretend that they have integrity when in fact they are harming people in the name of God? What does it mean for us to be followers of Jesus in that context knowing that on Pentecost there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So what? Let's pray. God, we live so in our heads. We know the scriptures. We know what this day means. We don't have a clue how to deal with what we're facing. We don't know how to be the church in this context. Where does our power come from? Where does our wisdom come from? Where do we find the courage to keep standing in the midst of violence, hate speech, lack of integrity in our government, in our churches, in our society? What does it mean that your Holy Spirit has poured out in us in a nation and a world that is so divided with concept of us and them, where we are destroying our planet for the sake of our greed and convenience. God, would you speak to us this morning? Would you pour out anew? Would you remind us who we are and who you've called us to be so that we will go forth from here committed to being the church? on fire with your Holy Spirit, speaking the truth of the gospel so that it is heard in every language. 
Speak to us this morning so that we can hear you, so that we can claim what is truly ours and go forth to change the world. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the first disciples found themselves in the very context I just described. You thought I was talking about us, didn't you? <laughs> they also were under a government that oppressed the poor, that lifted up citizens, that abused non-citizens, that enslaved people, that violence was the reign of the day where people worked and paid taxes and hardly were able to survive while the rich got wealthier. They were facing the same kinds of justice issues that we face today, just in different clothing. And on the day of Pentecost, they are huddled up in the upper room. Estimates are that at the time of Jesus' death and resurrection, there were about 120. Just about the number of folks that are gathered here in the sanctuary this morning, just 120 in church world, we'd call that a failure probably, but anyway. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They've had the luxury, the gift of being with Jesus off and on for 40 days after his death and resurrection. Seeing him, they've had Jesus kiss them on the lips. Yeah, Jesus kissed boys. Take that, World Methodist Church. <laughs> they've heard Jesus say that now Jesus is calling them to go out and spread the gospel to the entire world to bear witness to the truth of what Jesus embodied, what he gave his life for, even the truth of the gospel, and they don't know what to do. They are overwhelmed by the odds. They look around them. How in the world could such a small group make a difference in such a mess? They have no power, they have no status, they have no authority. Some of us are asking those same questions. We want to crawl in our holes and hide. We want to shut the garage door when we pull in and just continue to binge watch whatever it is we're binge watching. We want that to all go away and we hope that if we just pray over it, maybe it will. And I'm a big person who believes in prayer. But if prayer doesn't lead us to act, we're not praying. So let's look at what Luke is trying to tell us in this text with Acts. It might help us claim our power and authority. If, if you remember, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the book of Acts are actually one set. They're written by the same author. The book, the Gospel of Luke, was written by an author who wanted his community to know that Jesus was the prophet like Moses. Moses brought the law. And if you remember, you'll watch Jesus throughout Luke's Gospel reinterpret the law, challenging the way the religious community of his day and the political community of his day had interpreted the law added onto it in a way that were abusing the poor, the lame, the blind, those with disabilities, those who were from different places, those who spoke different languages, whatever it was, you could be excluded in the name of God. And so Luke's gospel is written to the marginalized and it portrays Jesus as the savior of justice who comes to 
fulfill the law as God intended. And if you go back and read the Ten Commandments, Jesus says it pretty accurately to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. Any other interpretation of the law that conflicts with that understanding is not the law of God. And so Jesus confronts the abuse of the law. Jesus confronts a religious and political system that keeps adding on to what God said in a way that privileges the few at the expense of others. That's the gospel of Luke. The prophet like Moses has come to teach us what the law really says. And what we also know is that when Moses received the law and gave it to the children of Israel, it was meant to define the way they lived their lives so that they were identified as a community defined by these sets of principles. Jesus comes and says to the disciples, just as I have lived the law out in front of you, the law of love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and welcomed in the stranger and broken down barriers to those who've been marginalized and spoken truth to power. I am calling you to do that and greater things than I did you will do. And so I'm going to give you the spirit in the same way that the spirit was alive in me. The spirit will be alive in you and you will do these things too. And that's what it means to be a witness in the whole world is to bring God's mercy and justice into being in the earth. That's the message of Luke, and that's Jesus' message to the disciples as he departs at the end of Luke. And then we come to the book of Acts, and the book of Acts is about how the church learned to live that out as disciples of Jesus Christ, bearing witness in a way that was not just words, but that actually changed the very fabric of society in the power of the Spirit. In the beginning of Acts, we're told, Jesus says, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses unto the ends of the earth. Wait in Jerusalem until the Spirit is poured out and then go forth. And that brings us to our text for today. Now, Luke is a master storyteller. And if you know the Old Testament and you go back and read what happened on the giving of the law. So Pentecost is the Jewish festival of weeks. It's called Pentecost because it occurs 50 days after the Jewish festival of Passover when the, the Israelites were freed from Egypt. They go out into the wilderness and on Mount Sinai, Moses goes up on the mountain to receive the law of God, the law that will define how this community will live in the world. And guess what happens? There is a mighty rushing wind, a storm on the mountain. There is fire flames of fire and lightning and thunder. God speaks and the people can't understand God. And so Moses comes down and they're terrified and Moses becomes the interpreter of the law of God to the people and speaks to the people in a language they can understand. Got it? All right, now Luke knows that. We're at Pentecost. This is the festival of weeks when the law was given the disciples are gathered in the upper room waiting 
They don't know what they're waiting for. They're just waiting. Gathered in Jerusalem were pilgrims from all over the known world. As far as they knew, the entire world was gathered in Jerusalem. People speaking every language known within the Roman Empire. And on that day, what happens? The wind begins to blow. The storm starts. There are tongues of fire. And there is language that people can't understand until the Spirit descends and all of the disciples are able to speak in the language that every person could understand it. So they would know the message of Jesus, that God's justice has come to reign on the earth, and that followers of Jesus have come to implement that justice so that all are welcome, all are celebrated, all have sufficiency, they have what, we, what they need. That's the witness of the gospel, that all are to be celebrated in the earth, including non-human creatures and the earth itself. And that breaks out. And if you continue in Acts, what you see is 120 people change the world. They create a community that is countercultural and by its very existence challenges the status quo. In a divided society where the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer, the rich and the poor in the church come together. They share everything they have. They provide healing for everyone. They provide food for everyone. Those who are slaves in society and those who are free in society, citizens and non-citizens, come together as one on a level playing field. The mountains are brought low. The valleys are lifted up. And they create a community that bears witness to the truth of the kingdom of God in the earth. And they change the world. You and I are here today because 120 disciples decided that they were going to go out and speak the truth. And it cost them. It cost them convenience. It cost them comfort. It cost them their lives for some of them. And yet they were committed to being the presence of the living Christ in the world together. They did it as a community. So what does that mean for us today? What does it mean? They asked that question. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is poured out and that we have the Spirit of God within us, the same Spirit that was alive in Christ that enabled Him to do what He did? It means our job is to go out there and live it. We first have to claim what's already ours. We don't need to ask for the Spirit. It's as close as our own breath. The very breath of God within us. I was away teaching for two weeks. I uh, had the chance to teach Christianity to about 50 folks who either have left church because they got harmed by the church or they don't want anything to do with Christianity because of what they perceive it to be. And I had the opportunity to bring in a Sufi master to teach us some songs and dances that actually help you get that joy and that love in your body, you know, and this sense of connection. And he told this story. There was a Sufi master in India, and in those days, the spiritual teachers also had regular jobs, and so he was a camel, uh, he had a camel caravan where he transported goods and spices from one region to the other, and he passed through one region every time on his trek 
from point A to point B, and the police person, officer in that region was convinced that he was transporting contraband. So every time he came through, they would stop his camel caravan and search everything and found nothing. They did this year after year after year, never found anything. But the police chief was convinced that he was hiding something. He was smuggling something. Police chief retires and he has this deathbed and he calls the Sufi master and says, look, I don't have any power anymore. There's nothing I can do that could harm you. I just don't want to die not knowing what is it that you were smuggling because I know you were smuggling something. The Sufi master smiled and said, I was smuggling camels. <laughs> okay, so here's the point. It's right in front of our eyes. We have it right in front of our eyes and we don't claim it. We don't take it. It's ours. I do not have to beg God for the Holy Spirit. I've already got it. What I have to be willing to do is step into the power that's already mine. How do I do that? Discipline. Spiritual practice. Let me tell you something. Abby cannot sing the way that she sings because she just got up one day and started yodeling. She had to practice, 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 practice. Rob doesn't play the piano. Bob doesn't play the organ the way they do. I never learned to play the piano because I wasn't willing to do this. Ding, 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 ding. I just wanted to sit down and play. It doesn't work that way. No athlete runs a marathon without injuring themselves if they don't practice, practice, practice. If we don't have a spiritual practice daily that allows us to come back to ourselves, to center ourselves in God, we cannot stand in this chaos and pain and anger and violence in which we find ourselves without perpetuating it. And so we need a spiritual practice. If you need help with that, you let me know. We'll help you. We practice and we practice and we practice and then we find ourselves actually equipped to act in the way that God calls us to. What else does it mean? It, does it mean that I have to go out and learn 143 languages? That's how many are spoken here in, in Houston. I've been trying to learn Spanish for the last 50 years, and I can read it, but I still can't speak it. doesn't mean that. It does mean this. I need to be willing to intentionally place myself in relationship with people who are different whether it's different culturally, whether it's different racially, whether it's different economic status, whether it's different social status, whatever it is, we live in a bifurcated society where people are secluded from one another. We have to be intentional about creating those relationships so that we get to know each other, so that we get to see each other and understand how deeply we are connected. One of the greatest gifts I've had is to be able to travel the world. When I go to the Philippines and sit at the feet of people who are faithful disciples of Jesus Christ and I hear how they understand scripture it changes me I see new things and I begin to understand with a breadth that I didn't have before that's one way that we speak so that people can hear us the other way we speak so that people can hear us is the ballot box we have got to speak so that our political and religious leadership hears us and understands us that we will not tolerate the kind of gun violence that is running rampant in this country and sacrificing the lives of teachers and young children and others. We will not 
tolerate having people in our society who work two jobs and still live in a car, who work two jobs and have no health insurance and can't get health care. We will not allow the government to dictate control over our own bodies. Now, we have some work around the church about how we use our bodies, but that is not something we will accept from the government. So we have to vote. Now, we also have to be willing to ask the hard questions so that we educate ourselves. We need to get out there and find out who's willing to stand up to the NRA, who's willing to stand up for a living wage, who's willing to stand up for affordable health care for everyone. And then we need to work on their campaigns and help them get elected. Whoever they are, I don't care what party they're with, are they standing for justice for all people? We need to make our voice heard so that the gospel bears fruit in the world. And then we need to come together. We can't do this alone. Christianity is not a solo sport. I would love to go sit on a mountain and just contemplate. I would. But that's not what I'm called to do. I need that space. I need that time of prayer. I need that time of stillness. I need to be listening to you and the Spirit of God within you. I need to be listening to the Spirit of God in me. But then we have got to come together to act together. We're going to talk about this some more next Sunday on Trinity Sunday. But we are called together as a community. We each have a piece. I can't do it all. But I can do my part, and you can do your part, and you can do your part. And when we all do our part, the gospel gets proclaimed in the way that people can touch it and taste it and hear it and feel it. We have to come together, and that means more than just showing up on Sunday morning. I'm glad you're here, and we need to worship. But I need you in community groups, not just for yourself, but for, so we have a place to plug people in. We need to connect with Open Gate. There's a perfect opportunity to align yourself to get to know people who are different and that we are, we easily judge because we don't know. So volunteer with Open Gate. Get to know that community. Get to know communities that are different. Serve. We all need to be serving. We need you. If ever there was a moment when the church needs to rise up and be counted, it's now. We need to stand up and be counted. We need to pray the name of Jesus over the world, not only with our words, but with our actions. We need to claim our authority and our power and command the fear that keeps us from acting to flee. That's no place in love so that we can become the miracle that the world needs, the miracle that brings life out of death, hope out of despair, joy out of sorrow, that stands beside one another in the midst of the pain of the world and refuses to flee, stands and bears witness, stands and speaks blessing, stands and works to heal whatever it costs. We need to claim our authority in the name of Jesus.